Hi, friends. Welcome to Sips of Sunshine, the podcast hosted by Amy Ogden. Sips of Sunshine is a place to share inspiration, positivity, and fresh ways of thinking. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy today's episode, please share this sip of sunshine with someone you love. And now on to today's podcast. Hi, guys. Welcome to Sips of Sunshine. This is Amy. Um, Today's episode is unique. It's also long, <laughs> so um, you can just don't feel bad um, if you have to skip through some of it. But I wanted to share this with you earlier this year. My friend Shannon McClay, who has her own podcast called Martinis and Your Money, had me on as a guest. And um, Shannon's just awesome and really excited to uh, share this episode with you. She interviewed me about what it was like to basically give away or sell everything I owned and kind of start over and how it made me reassess how I look at money, how I look at possessions, how I spend my time, everything. So um, with that, I will now leave you with um, Shannon's interview with me on Martinis and Your Money. And as always, thanks for listening. So welcome to the show, Amy. Thank you. Tell my listeners a little bit about your background and like what made you interested in sharing your financial change story? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, hit the rewind button three years ago, four years ago, really, I was living in San Diego and living what anyone would look at from the outside as an extraordinarily charmed life. Vice president at one of the world's top luxury travel PR and social media agencies living in downtown sunny San Diego, you know, great group of friends, stunning golden doodle, BMW, (laughs) two-story townhome, spiral staircase, you name it, like, you know, traveling the world. I mean, life was good and life was good. I wasn't one of these. It was Instagram good. Yeah, it was Instagram Mm -hmm. good, but honestly, it was actually really good. Um, Mm -hmm. I wasn't one of these weird people who like, you know, would go home and like shake in the corner at night. Like I was very genuinely happy. Um, Mm -hmm. but I was, I was bored and I, I felt like the days and the weeks and then the months and the years in San Diego were awesome, but I felt it was just like Groundhog Day. It was just like a day on. How did you end up in San Diego? Are you you from there or no? No. So I ended up in San Diego because I met a guy at Starbucks. Isn't it always a guy? Yeah. So I was living in Florida, not from Florida either. I'm from Seattle. Like so, let's just like I'm from Seattle. Yeah, where do you identify yeah, with? That's your like your origin story starts. I am a Seattle. Seattle girl, born and born and bred. Lived there my whole life up until college. Go to college in Florida, start my career there, buy a home. You know, just young girl doing all the things people do, mm-hmm. and I meet a guy uh, at Starbucks one morning. That's a whole separate story for like a dating podcast. Oh, I've heard. But it was this awesome. Story. He was, I love he was it. A great guy. We're friends to this day. And it moved fast and we fell hard and he was moving when I met him in Florida, he was like in the process of moving to San Diego Mm -hmm. for his job. And, you know, the relationship moved fast. I went with him to San Diego. Mm -hmm. Our relationship didn't last, but I loved the city. I had an amazing job. So that ended up last because you gave up on yourself, Amy. I mean, (laughs) I just relationship (laughs) now, you know, one of those things, man. Uh, But yeah, so there I was in San Diego, single Mm -hmm. um, with a puppy and a a condo and a, you know, all this stuff. And I, so I was there for, he and I were there for a year together. And then I was there for three years after we broke up. So I was there for four years and Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm living this late, you know, I was in my mid thirties at the time. I mean, just prime of life, mid thirties, mm-hmm. life is good. Everything's great. And, and it was good, but it wasn't great. I just knew in my heart and soul that I needed something else. And I didn't know what that something else was. First, I thought it was just that I needed a husband in San Diego, mm-hmm. but that really didn't feel like what I was really looking for. What I was looking for was something that lit a fire within me. And waking up in a beautiful city every day, but sort of in a bit of a hamster wheel just wasn't it. So I, while I was living there, because of my job with JPR, my company, I came out to New York a lot because we have a New York office. Mm-hmm. And so I would come out to New York often. The first time I came to New York was 20 years ago when I was 20, uh, came with family friends at the time. And so I'd always had sort of this dream in the back of my mind of living in New York, but 
I had also decided for no good reason that you either move to New York young and broke or you just don't move here at all. Mm -hmm. That a a woman in the prime of her career in her mid thirties with, you know, everything going for her doesn't drop at all and start over in New York. That's just not how it's done. So I sort of, I kept sort of like cataloging this dream and just being like, well, you missed that window. It's sort of like investing in Bitcoin. Like, well, you missed it, honey. Good yeah. job. Like congratulations if you had known when you were 22, like, and so I just kind of decided like, well, you missed your window. So make the best of the life you have now. And, but I kept visiting and that voice didn't go away. The voice mm-hmm. that said you belong in New York just didn't go away. And mm-hmm. So it was on a visit the summer of 2014, I believe it was like, yeah, cause it'll be four, it would be four years this coming summer. So t- summer of 2014, I'm visiting New York for one of many work visits and there wasn't this big aha moment. It was truly just this peaceful knowledge that this was where I belonged. Mm-hmm. But with that peaceful knowledge came a big old bucket of like, oh my God, this isn't just a simple move. This is a complete pivot of like everything, you know? So I went back to San Diego and I I talked to my company about it. I, I still remember going on a walk with my best friend and my dog at the time. And we were talking about like our dreams and goals. And she just knew I didn't even have to tell her. She said, she said, you're thinking about New York, aren't you? And I said, I am, I think I'm going to do it. And Mm -hmm. that was the first time I'd really said the words out loud. And Mm -hmm. so that was, were you scared about do that? Like, cause I, you know, some people have these gut feelings and like, I'm one of those people, I have a gut feeling and I'm like, I'm going to do it. And then I'm not going to get scared. Cause like, I I feel like I really trust my gut, you know? So I'm like, there's a Mm -hmm. reason why I feel like this. I, or it keeps coming to me or why I can't let it go. So like I have a really strong trust in my gut. And then some people will have those feelings and avoid them because they're scary as all get out and they just don't want to do it. So how was your, like you had that feeling, but was it fear? Was it excitement? Like, what was it? It was excitement and it was pure faith in my gut. I'm like you, Shannon, my gut is my guide. Mm -hmm. I actually make really big life choices with very little research. It's kind of hysterical. Some of the things I've done, um, (laughs) true story. Like, I mean, I won't even talk about some of the things I've done that have been like, Oh my God, like, what were you like? I don't know. It just felt right, but it's always worked out. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So I followed my gut. I really, there was no, I mean, truly like there was no fear. There was sadness because of the things I was walking away from that I loved so much. My friends, Mm -hmm. my dog, because it's in a separate story, but bringing a large high maintenance, gorgeous golden doodle to a studio in New York just didn't feel right in my heart for her. Right. Um, I didn't get a dog for me. I gave, I got a dog to give this dog an amazing life. And that was not in a studio in New York. So there was sadness Mm -hmm. for sure. This wasn't all just hearts and flowers, but mostly excitement and also pride that, that I, you know, I feel like there's something really exciting about living with intention Mm -hmm. and doing things very intentionally, not just letting life happen to you every day, but really, you know, it's so cheesy, like grab life by the horns, but you know, like intentionally making your choices, not just being like, well, this happened. So here's how I'll react. Yeah. You know, this is changing to- your own trajectory. Like, I in- happened to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it was exciting. Mm-hmm. And so your um, company was like, okay, like the best. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm one of these few people that I personally know who truly, and it's, I'm not, I didn't drink the Kool-Aid. I'm not just saying this, like who truly loves her company, the people she works with, the work you she do does. You do love like, your job. Like, oh, it's, it's true. You like, do. This is I know you personally. Yeah, yeah. She's not, you're not bullshitting anybody. You no. totally do love your job. <laughs> I am blessed and yeah. truly blessed because job is as big a part of your life as anything in your life. You spend more waking hours at work than you do with your own family. And so mm-hmm. Um, to get to work every day with my best friends, people I love, respect, like, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm lucky. And so actually when I told them, it wasn't even, it was, I mean, I told them, I said, I want to do this. And immediately they they said, yes, this is so perfect. Let's do it. So that was, that was the easiest thing ever. And I do take that for granted sometimes. I know people who are trying to move to New York without the blessing and the support of a company. And honestly, and I'm saying this now, I don't, 
as much as I would like to say, I would have done it anyway. I don't know if I would have done it without the support of my company. They made it like they made this blessing a reality and they made my gut, you know, my truth. So like, as opposed to me, when I decided to move to New York, back to New York, I was, it was 2008. And I was like, I had a sense that like I was living in Tampa at the time and I had a sense, you know, that my career really wasn't going to grow in financial services in Tampa. And I was like, I got to go back to New York. And I was like, I got to go. And I was finding it very difficult to get a job. And my now ex-husband at the time, he got a job offer. And I said, you know what? That's our sign. That's our answer. So we'll move and I'll just figure it out when we get there. Although, I mean, I'm saying this like bravado now. I was at the time, I mean, I knew it. I was like, I'll just, I'll just hustle. It'll be easier for me to look for a job when I'm there than like trying to go back and forth from Tampa to, to Florida. And thankfully, like literally the week before we moved, I got a job offer in New York, um, with a hedge fund, but like, I was, I was like, I, I did ask my, I did ask my business, the I worked for Bank of America at the time and I did ask to be transferred to New York. And what happened was I got into, I got into it with my boss at the time. And one of those life lessons of like, don't follow up a bad meeting with a bad email. And, uh, <laughs> and cause well, the meeting with him ended with, I don't know what's going to happen to you, but you're not going to end up in New York. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh. And then, um, the best though, the ultimate best though, is that two years later when Bank of America asked me to come back, because they restructured our group. And the day I showed up on the trading floor and that guy was there, the old boss. And I was like, the best day ever. Because I was like, yeah, you said it was never going to happen. And here I am in your face. So here you are. I have a a similar story from my Florida days. And, you know, yeah, I don't relish in bosses not believing in their people. But having kind of been on the flip side of that as well, I believe in everyone, you know, Mm -hmm. and I, I champion that success. Good for you. Yeah. And, you know, earlier this year, one of my best friends moved here without a job. And, you know, she was she was fortunate to be able to put together a few freelance things and some other things. But it took her a few months. And honestly, like, I'm more proud of her for moving here than me because I had the comfort of a job. She did it and she did it anyway. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would I would put my neck out there and say she wanted it even more than I did, because to do that you got to want it and you got to like, you got to risk it. And oh, yeah. so anyway, my sister did that. Yeah. Like she did that. Um, when she graduated eight years ago, I had her in the show like a few years back. She was wanted to be in fashion and she, my dad and stepmom live in Houston and she graduated without a job and she was like living at home in Houston. And I was like, you're not going to find it there. And she, I said, I, I don't have room. I have a sofa. If you want my sofa, it's yours. And so she did. She like, wow. she moved here and stayed on my sofa and just hustled her booty. And then now, and it ended up leading to a job at Bloomingdale's and she's still at Bloomingdale's eight so years great. later. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think it's like a lot of things. Once you do it, you're like, Oh, that wasn't so hard, you know, but yeah. it's a lot of unknowns. Yeah. And so, so that's kind of the story. I mean, the, the, the story there is, you know, perfectly charmed, beautiful life that was very happy, but everything in my soul knew that it wasn't the life I was intended to live ongoing, mm-hmm. um, in San Diego at that time. And I love San Diego. I mean, I'm like, I'll retire there. I'll, you know, I'll end up back there. I love San Diego, but I just knew in my heart of hearts that I was meant to move to New York, not just move, but to New York. And, you know, I do a lot of things. I do. This is probably so morbid. I think a lot about like myself on my deathbed (laughs) and I think like, what will I regret or what will I say or what will I be thinking about? And it's so interesting, you know, when I think about myself on my deathbed one day, uh, so morbid. I don't think about the fact that I haven't had children. I don't think about the fact that I'm not a millionaire. I don't, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. I literally, every time I thought about myself on my deathbed, I would think like you are going to regret not living in New York. Like it was a very specific interesting that I knew I was meant to do in my life. Anyway, so that was that. And what I didn't realize when I was like, I'm moving to New York. And, you know, I put it on Facebook and I got a ton of likes. And it was like, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't really researched housing. Um, so, so to be honest, like I just thought I was moving to New York. And I mean, of course, I'd have a smaller apartment, but I didn't know what I didn't know. Yeah. And when I, I still have this distinct, and at first I thought I was bringing my dog with me. I was like, well, of course, Lola, I mean, she's my daughter. I'm bringing my dog. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing my research and the kind of a 
apartments I wanted, to, like, it just, it didn't work, you know, mm -hmm. and if I wanted to have Lola, I would have had to live out kind of outside of Manhattan. And I was like, I'm not moving to New York, not to live in Manhattan. It was just this big struggle. Yeah. So for the first big hard choice was giving my best friend Lola. No, I shouldn't say hard choice, hard for me. Yeah. Easiest I've ever made. She loves her as much as I ever did and is as much of a mother to her as I ever was. We lived together. We raised her together from when she was like six months old. Like, so seamless, uh, mm -hmm. seamless and wonderful and literally just the most loved dog on the planet. So that was, that was hard, but confident. And then I had to first disconnect from my life in San Diego mm -hmm. and the friendships, you know, they stay with me. My friends come visit me. I see them all the time. I literally, I talk to my friends daily. I've texted with three of them today and had a phone call last night with one in San Diego. Like that, that stays, but the stuff. And mm -hmm. I think one of the first lessons I learned that was a kick in the gut was your stuff has no street value. Like I had a $3,000 custom sofa. Mm -hmm. I had a $400 juicer. I had a $50 little garlic chopper fancy gadget thing. I mean, you I could not give these things away. It's amazing. Isn't it funny how you think it's an investment? You're like, look at how much I spent for it. And just because you spent that much doesn't mean it's going to be like $50 on Craigslist if you're lucky. Nobody Otherwise, Nobody cared. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was crazy. Did you think you would make money selling this stuff? To it wasn't you? so much that I thought I would make money, but it just made me sad that no one liked my stuff enough to buy <laughs> it. Like, I had nice stuff, you know? I had, like, really nice stuff, actually. I kind of over-invested in furniture for my level in life at that time. So it was, it was just sad. I was mm -hmm. like, wow, like, I can't even give my stuff away. Like, so less of a moneymaker and more of just like an ego, you know, <laughs> killer, no, like no street value. So through the course of a few months, I gave away or sold or donated like everything I owned. I mean, everything. Once I realized what this move entailed, I moved to New York with everything packed into about seven to nine boxes. And that was it. So, you know, the juicer goes, the garlic, I mean, all the, I mean, a full kitchen, a full home, like, oh my God. How did you decide where you were going to live in Manhattan? So I moved here first and Airbnb'd for two months okay. and used that two months to get around the city and figure it out. Cause honestly, I didn't know, I really didn't know a lot. Mm -hmm. I even remember talking to a friend before I moved here and they're like, you don't want to live on an Avenue. You want to live on a street, but you don't want to And I was just like, what's the difference between an Avenue and a street? Like I didn't <laughs> even know that, you know, you don't want to be more than three blocks from the sub. I was like, okay. Like I felt like I needed like a master's degree to figure out where to live in this city. So there are definite rules that oh, are, there's a reason why a certain apartment is affordable and oh, you yeah. know, more affordable than another one. And it's usually because of convenience to subways and like, yeah, what's going on. Uh, yeah. With well, traffic. And when I moved here, I remember someone said it was like location price and actual like apartment pick two. They're like, you will never have all three. So yeah. they're like, pick two. Do you want a good location and a good apartment? Great. You're going to get screwed on price, you know, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> That's so good true. Apartment, good price. Location's going to suck. Like just pick two. Um, got rid of all my stuff. That was actually really hard. Yeah. Just what did it was you move with? Because you Airbnb'd for two months. So like what came with you? Clothes and makeup. That's it. Yeah, there was almost nothing else. The only thing this is like, oh, my Vitamix made it. One item you're welcome, Vitamix. Uh, this is not a commercial. I'm not a paid spokesperson for Vitamix. I made one actual like thing made it to New York and it was my Vitamix. And to this day, it's the only kitchen utensil I like have or use. Wow. How frequently do you use it? Pretty often. I'm, I make a lot of smoothies because <sighs> other than that, I probably would never eat a vegetable. So I just like <laughs> pack the spinach and just suck it down and call it a day. <laughs> but the other item I was sure I would never get rid of was my beautiful Big Mama KitchenAid mixer. Mm -hmm. So, but it weighs like 800 pounds. So I left it in San Diego thinking I'd bring it back with one of my trips. It stayed there for two years. I sold it to a friend for 50 bucks. So like, I mean, it's amazing how even things that you like prize possessions they almost become like these heavy weighted nuisances, you know, yeah. there's so a, you know, there's a full, there's a whole philosophy about that, right? Like there's some wisdom in that, right? The idea of like things weighing you down, literally. 
literally, literally yeah. weighing you down. Yeah. And that was actually, and I kept, it's funny you say that. Cause after I moved, I kept saying, I literally feel lighter. I feel mm-hmm. freer. I feel mobile. I feel like I have options and choices that I never had before because like, for instance, this is not a joke. I spent eight years feeling jailed to this red dresser that I had bought. I was like, Oh God, everything has to go with the red dresser. I hated that dresser. By <laughs> like I hated it. So anyway, yeah, you do, you, you can feel so weighed down and almost like jailed by your own stuff, thing. the stuff that you put in your place. Yeah. So I move here with all my clothes and my makeup and really, I mean like not, I don't know. I don't think that was it. Like I don't even know. I had put my dad um, and my stepmom had some storage units. They stored all of my like photo albums and diaries and stuff. So, but that was it. Mm -hmm. I got rid of everything. And then I moved here and then, yeah, lived in an Airbnb for two months. The same Airbnb or did you do different ones? Same one, just one. Yeah. I Airbnb like a guest room in this couple's like really sick apartment. So it was great. And they what were awesome. What was it like? Yeah. Well, I know. Cause that was like, I always think the long-term Airbnb thing is like, mm, I don't know. <laughs> it was like, we're Facebook friends. Their kids are adorable. Like we're like awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're great. And it just worked out perfectly for me. Cause I just remember thinking like, this is a big enough decision. You don't even know this city. Don't sign your name on a lease, you know, right. without a time. I can I tell you what I advise that to clients all the time when they make a big location move, like not moving from like Philadelphia to New York or like Boston to Philadelphia. But when you're going like a significant distance away and in a city you've never lived in before, I highly recommend the rental period of time or like a temporary rental and then like a rental period because you know, I, I've had clients who are like, I'm gonna move, we're gonna move and we're gonna buy a house. And I'm like, what? Like mm-hmm. that's bat shit crazy like you don't know if you're gonna like the neighborhood like you can't just do two visits you know fly out there and like see neighborhoods and like love a neighborhood like you've got to do the commute like you've got to see like how do you get to work like what is your schedule like like you need to figure out all these things before you freaking drop money into something expensive like a home yeah I couldn't agree with you more and and it ended up being a really wise move for me because it I didn't literally didn't even know the neighborhoods. And so it gave me time to, like you said, walk the neighborhoods, have dinner there, kind of like feel it out, figure out, especially in New York, your commute can either be awesome or awful. So like figured out all of that and settled on West village, which is where I am now. I'm a location girl. So I chose location and price over apartment. So I got a price I could afford in like Mm -hmm. the best neighborhood, in my opinion, for me, but it is very expensive neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah. It's a very expensive neighborhood. So I picked the most expensive neighborhood, but the cheapest apartment that I could live with in the most expensive neighborhood. (laughs) And mostly what I gave up was square footage. So my place is, I describe it to people as it's the size of a hotel room. That's the best way to think of it. Like for the modern, you know, for the Mm -hmm. person who doesn't come to New York and see apartments all the time. My mom came to visit a couple of weeks ago and she walks in. This is a woman who lives in like a five bedroom home on a golf course in Florida. <laughs> she walks in and literally stops in her tracks. And she's like, oh my God, Amy, I, you said it was small, but I didn't I had realize. no idea. I mean, I was like, you don't, it, because there's not even a concept of homes this small in other cities. Oh, like yeah. you would be laughed out of the you know neighborhood. Yeah. So yeah. So I picked the neighborhood and the price over the apartment, but my apartment's great. It's just small, but it feels very modern and cute. It looks like a West Elm catalog. Everyone's happy. It's fine. It's just little old me in there. It's fine. Mm -hmm. But that was the choice. But imagine moving from two stories, garage, you know, I mean, just all the space. I, I can't even fathom that kind of space now. I don't know what I would do with it. Yeah. I actually think I would feel kind of lost in a huge place. Yeah. Isn't it funny? It's like you, I, you know, I used to be, well, I used to be in a, a little apartment and then I was in a huge house and it's like, and I just feel, I do feel like the bigger place. And, and I used to think I was going to go bigger, you know, like I kept in my life and my trajectory was like the bigger, the bigger, the bigger. And then like, when you start to like realize, like going back to the stuff weighing you down and like the expense of it all. And like, and just that like uh, the home wasn't necessarily, it didn't have to be all this because it was just more rooms to clean and like, you know, higher utility bills and things like that. And it's like, I just, I devalue large so much now. I used to value it so much. Like I used to be like, I'm going to be in a seven bedroom home, a six bedroom. That like, that was like literally where I saw my trajectory of homes. And now it's like, ah, I love the idea of small. 
I agree with you. And I very similarly felt the same way. I always assumed I'd have a really big home and all this space. And I agree with you. It's like space for what? Like there's one Crap. of me. Maybe yeah, when I get married, there will be two of us and maybe he'll have a couple kids from like a previous marriage or something. That's great. But okay, four. Like it's never going to be eight kids or whatever. And also one thing that was so interesting about making this move that I didn't realize until I made it and almost it was almost like forced, um, minimalism. Like mm-hmm. I never wanted to be a minimalist, <laughs> but moving to New York, it was sort of like forced minimalism. Something I never realized until I did this was how much time and money I spent acquiring things when I lived in Florida and then San Diego. And I almost like just out of like sheer boredom, like on a mm-hmm. Sunday, if I didn't have anything to do, I'd hop in my car and go to TJ Maxx and Home Goods and Target and Nordstrom mm-hmm. and spend hundreds of dollars and come home with bags of things that I hadn't pre-planned. Like I wasn't like, oh, I really need these things, you know? And then that was how I spent my time. That was mm-hmm. how I spent money. I actually used it as a filler for time and, and you know, to fill up my life. And now because going on shopping sprees isn't an option, not because I don't have money, but because I have nowhere to put anything. Right. Um, instead, when I have a free Sunday, you know, I'm writing a blog post or I'm going for a walk with a friend and catching up or I'm going to a Broadway show or a play. Like I'm actually doing things that add experiences to my life rather than just you know, racking up costs and filling my home with like the last thing I need is more stuff. Martinis and Your Money is brought to you by my company, The Financial Gym. And I am beyond thrilled to share with you that The Financial Gym has its first official gym location up and running in New York City. If you're in the area, come visit us at 226 Fifth Avenue on the fifth floor where you can get one-on-one help with my financial trainers, You can take classes, you can join a money tribe, or have some drinks with us on movie or game nights or wine and learn Wednesdays. At the Financial Gym, we're committed to putting the personal back in personal finance, and this gym is the first of many. For those of you not in the New York City area, we hope to have a financial gym in a town near you soon, but you can always connect with us online at financialgym.net and work with our trainers virtually until then. Financial health is just as important as physical health. So I hope you take the time to invest in yours and check us out in person in New York City or online at financialgym.net soon. Most people don't have a life goal. Like we our catchphrase at the financial gym is what are you working for? Most people aren't working for stuff. You know, like for a candle or for like, you know, like that Christmas tree, you know, the cute hand towels for your bathroom. Like people aren't working for stuff. And what happens is we're like robbing ourselves of these great experiences because we're fixated on stuff. And that's the thing I get upset about. It's like, I just, I just hate because I know, because I'm like, you know, we talk about sacred cows at the gym and you know, nobody's like, my sacred cow is shopping. It's because they don't want to hear themselves say it, but it, but it's right. not. Like most people, like they want to travel or they want to go out with their friends. They want to have experiences. And it's like, the more you spend on the shopping crap, like you're going to have less for the other stuff. Absolutely. It's crazy. And even when I look back at like my 20s and 30s, the amount of just money I mindlessly spent on things. Like I could have like, you know, taken a year off and traveled the world with right. put that money together over the course of a year. And so how I spend my time is different, which I think a lot of people wouldn't think like how you spend your money is how you spend your time, but mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. I spend my time differently now on actual experiences that that stay with me. Also, I think another thing I learned from this was I, I mean, Shannon, you could put a gun to my head right now and be like, tell me, tell me 50 of the things you got rid of before you moved. And I probably couldn't even list those. I mean, you, the moment something's out of your life, you really don't remember it. You don't miss it. You don't yearn for it. Like Mm -hmm. I hated that juicer. That thing took two hours to clean. Like, (laughs) I mean, so I was actually like thrilled to get rid of it, you know, and not only did I get some time back, but I just got space in my life back and I could not even tell you what I got rid of. And 
and no one well, believes the in my sofa, the custom sofa. Oh, I mean that custom sofa. <laughs> we definitely know the custom sofa. A damn custom sofa. I don't even know. And I went into like credit card debt in my twenties to buy it because I thought I because I wanted a fancy sofa, right? So, yeah. Any yeah. So how yeah. much was how the you, sofa, Amy? It was like three thousand. But you have to remember, this was when I made like fifty two thousand a year. I and mean, you, I bought a three thousand dollars sofa making fifty thousand a year. Like I was just that was. Dumb. I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> I wanted a nice sofa. And then, and then even, okay, so then I moved to New York with all my stuff in like nine boxes. I easily probably should have gotten rid of half of that before I moved. That's how little of your stuff you actually need day to day. I mean, yeah, we all wear the same clothes most of it. Like you, you know, you have your favorite outfits. You have how much makeup can a girl have? Like mm-hmm. it was just like, I downsized and it still wasn't enough. I got here and I was still taking stuff to Goodwill. I was like, this is crazy. So that was, I think, one of the bigger lessons as well. And yeah, like you said, like, what are you working for? I've never been working for a shirt mm-hmm. or a piece of jewelry or something. Yeah. It's like, stop and think about it and think about that. Like when you go to spend money, it's like, is this what I've been working for? Like, like honestly. <laughs> Yeah. And the answer is pretty much hard. No. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so, you know, then I, I did this and then I, I made the move and now everything I look at, I mean, the first thing I have to think is not, can I afford it? But what, where is its place in my life? Mm -hmm. I have a standard size closet in my apartment and I have a dresser, but that's it. I mean, that is, not a lot of space. And then there's no extra space for like, like God bless people who send me gifts, but I'm like, where do I put this in my home? Like I'm so picky about what I will buy now because, and I mean, down to like a pair of socks, like I only buy my socks from Bombas also not an ad for Bombas, but I'm obsessed with it (laughs) because if I'm going to have socks, they're going to be the best socks on the market because I don't have a lot of room. Mm -hmm. So everything I choose to buy now, I buy the best of it that I can reasonably afford because I literally, I have one pot. I have one pan. Like Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of things. So the one thing I have is a really good brand or version of it so that, you know, I have one black purse. I have one brown purse. I mean, so, but they're good ones. They're nicer ones than I ever would have bought before I moved here because mm-hmm. it's like, well, if you're going to buy one, it's going to be one really nice one. Mm-hmm. So, so truly quality over quantity has become this, just this center point in my home and my life. And I'm really proud of that. I like it. You know, I like knowing that whenever I put something on, it's nice or whenever I cook, you know, I'm cooking with good stuff, whatever. Um, not that I cook a lot again, I say. Mm-hmm. you know, that one sure. time of week I cook eggs. Yeah. Yay for cooking. Um, so intentional downsizing, but more than that, looking back at the amount of time that came out of my life just to acquire things to put into drawers. I, I, I look back and I'm just like, I, I'm just perplexed. I think that's such a great point about the time. It's like, yeah, think back on how much time you actually spent in these stores or in the pursuit of stuff or like looking online, like online shopping or whatever, like how much time is wasted that could be going to so many other things. Right. So many so other what could things. You fill or that nothing with. at all. Take a break. Yeah. But yeah. But like what could you fill that with? Like, like reading a book or like having or working out or like doing something. Have coffee with a friend, mm-hmm. listen to a podcast, go for a walk. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's really, and well, and also the other thing here that is so crazy is, you know, we don't have cars. Mm-hmm. So not only when I'm at the container store, which is just my happy place because I'm so type A. Mm-hmm. So I'll just walk around, just look at how organized everything is. When I'm at the container store walking around, not only am, do I have to think about where does it fit in my life or my home? Can I afford it? But also like, literally, can I carry it home? Because you don't, it's not like you throw things in the back seat or a trunk. And so yeah. it's almost like there are so many levels here that just force you to like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? And so by the time you've answered, yes, 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 I have space for it. Yes, I can afford it. Yes, I can get it home. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, you're pretty, like you want it. Yeah. And so then in that case, your home is only just things you love and the clothes are things you love. And so that's really cool. Mm-hmm. But then also when you free up some of your money from static stuff that just comes in and plops down in a corner or a closet and sits there and, and begs you to do something with it, 
you free up your money. I've started looking at my money differently about how can my money bring more happiness into my life. And for me, that's saving me time and work on things I don't like doing. Mm -hmm. So I now spend money on a cleaning lady. I had one in San Diego, I guess. So I guess I did it there too. But like, it's ridiculous that I pay someone to clean my tiny place, right? Mm -hmm. It's so small. But just the pure joy of just knowing that once a month they come home, and I mean, she gets to business. She does, and Nita does not mess around. <laughs> uh, it's so, it just it feels so much better, and it looks so good. I pay for blowouts, which I used to roll my eyes at. And now I'm like, oh, it's the best decision I ever made. But I have a lot of hair and it's kind of curly and it like, takes a lot of work. A friend of mine owns Glam and Go and I have a membership to Glam and Go for unlimited blowouts. I literally get my hair blown out every single day of the week. And that is money well spent. And guess what? That Glam and Go membership once a month, it's about the cost of a shirt. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I could have a new shirt or I could have good hair at 30 days a month, you know? So when you free up your money from stuff, I would challenge you to look at where in your life are you doing things that you could outsource that would make you so happy? You know, mm-hmm. is it yard work or housework or cooking? I mean, hire a, you know, one of those chef delivery services, whatever. But not just not spending the money, but changing where you spend it to truly bring whatever you consider happiness into your life. Yeah. I think it's really important to like reflect on where your time and money is going. I think, and I think this is perfect because it's a new year and I think it's, you know, you're talking about your new start and how, how that impacted your life. I always think like, it's always good to, you know, especially around the new year, new time is like to really reflect on like, what you're holding on to and like, and like what you're doing and is that something you want to continue to do or do you want to change things up? And then I saw this somewhere. It was like, I don't know somebody's on in- someone's Instagram post or somebody sent it to me, but it was like, don't just necessarily wait for a new year or a new month, like to make a new beginning. I mean, there's a new week begins every Monday, you know, like there's always a new something like, but think about it and be cognizant of it and reflect on it. We did a show about minimalism and I call you the accidental minimalist, but like, I think it's really important to really think about these things and think about the stuff and like, think about the time and is that what you're working for? You know, and I, and you know, and you, cause you're, you know, the gym, you're a member. It's like, if that's what you're working for, like, great, own it. Like, I'm happy. Yeah. Like you want to spend yeah. your time doing that, then like live your best life. Like, I love it. But totally. Do you really Just- want to do that? But yeah, exactly. Like get real about it. And then, you know, we've never lived in a time where you have more options of how you spend your time, your money, your life, whatever. And I, it's something about moving and getting rid of everything I own and then kind of starting over also just made me, I don't know, like I'm not as excited about owning stuff as I used to be. Mm-hmm. Even like, I don't know. Like I was never the person who would lease the car. I would own the car or I, you know, I wanted to own a home, not rent. I will rent until the day I die. Like, well, I own a place and it's the bane of my existence, which is probably why I feel this way too. But (laughs) like, you know, there's some, like having your name on something actually isn't that the purpose is just to have it in your life, not to be indebted to it. So I've even sort of joined this I think I made up this phrase. Uh, I should probably trademark it before I say it on a podcast, but I do own the website domain for it. Mm-hmm. But I, I call myself a bougie borrower now. And, <laughs> I know, right? Write that down. Bougieborrower.com. Bougie borrower. <laughs> uh, it's just a landing page right now. But, um, but I'm a bougie borrower because since owning things isn't exciting to me, and I also don't have the space to have a lot of things, but I still want nice things in my life. I do rent the runway unlimited. So, you know, I wear $600 dresses every day. I get mm-hmm. four at a time. As soon as I return them, I get more. So I have variety in my wardrobe. I'm wearing really nice things, but I'm just borrowing them. Send mm-hmm. them back to new ones. I do Rocksbox. It's a jewelry delivery service. So I get to wear really cool, different jewelry. I wear it. I can, if I like a piece, I keep it, I buy it. But if not, send it all back. I get more. There's just so many ways now to have nice things in your life, but not have to own them and keep like having them pile up. They can actually rotate in and out. 
there's just, it's never been a cooler time in consumer technology and products to be able to try things out. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. And I think people would argue, I'm sure some of you listen to this, Amy, and say, oh, well, she's just throwing her money away every month mm-hmm. on these things. And I think the point of that I would say to that person who's thinking that or like in general is like what you value and like what's important to you. And mm-hmm. I think some people, you know, would like think about the alternative and like think about your life and like how you would do things differently. Cause the great example is a car or the renting. Cause so many people love to get judgy about like, well, never, you shouldn't lease a car cause you're never going to actually own something or you shouldn't rent because you're just throwing your money away. Cause you're never going to actually own something. And I think the point to make to somebody like that, who thinks it's throwing it away is that there's so many extra costs with owning things. And it, the owning isn't necessarily it isn't necessarily something to be highly valued. I mean, you own a house and you're going to be responsible for the toilet that breaks and, you know, the ceiling that's leaking and the roof that's leaking and, you know, the the water cooler heater that needs to be replaced. Like these are all these things that come with home ownership. You own the car and it's like the second you own it, it's like you have to replace the transmission or, you know, you have like, there's all these like costs for ownership too. And I think, you know, with the buying of stuff, it's like, then you've got to, keep it someplace and like manage it. And then you end up probably throwing it out anyway. So I think there is too much value on the owning of things. And I think there is value to the bougie borrowing of things. I would just like say to clients is like, as long as it's part of your plan and you yeah. can afford to do these things. Because- oh, of course. Yeah. And, and, and that kind of comes back to me being this really odd subset of society where I've worked really, really hard for many years. I'm 41 now. I've earned everything I've got. Like nothing was given to me. I've worked multiple jobs and insanely hard and completely self-made. My career and my life don't match up. You know, you would expect me to live in like a bigger, nicer place and have all these things. And, Mm -hmm. And I still spend the money. But for me... I value having the certain things in my life that make my life happier and easier, like having my hair just done, you know, Mm -hmm. or a cleaning service or whatever. I value getting to wear really nice things that I would never be able to buy. I can't afford to be buying $600 dresses. So, Mm -hmm. but to get to wear them every day and, um, have them in my life, there's a value to that. I think people automatically place value on acquiring. And Mm -hmm. I actually think there's value in freedom. And to me, renting is freedom. I can leave and try a new place. Or I think there's value in time, the amount of time I reclaim by outsourcing certain things in my life. I think there's value in getting to surround yourself with nice things, but not actually having to pay, you know, full price and own them. Like Mm -hmm. to me, value doesn't mean acquiring and owning and being able to say it's mine. I find value in other ways, I guess. Yeah. So I would start by saying, what do you value? Right. And then work backwards from there. And there's no right or wrong, by the way. This is just my story. This is Mm -hmm. what works for me. Yeah. And it's taken you, you're 41 and you're still like, you know, and, and your story's evolving. A few things about your story I love is like making a big decision and not allowing storylines. I actually, I think, I, I think a core underlying theme with a lot of your your story, your personal story, is like not letting storylines get in your way. Like the storyline mm-hmm. that like uh, you have to be young and broke to move to New York. Like that's the only time that you can do it. Um, meanwhile, right. you were like in your late thirties when you finally made it to New York and how much that's transformed your life or, you know, the storyline of like, you need to be owning something or, you know, doing something like that. And you've owned things and realized it's not what makes you happy. So you found like what makes you happy. And I think what happens with so many people is they allow the storylines to dictate their life. And then they realize like they're living a life they didn't want. And that was my example. Like I tell people all the time, like, I was 30 and I was like, all my friends were freaking out because they weren't married and didn't have good jobs. And I was married with a child, a beautiful home and like a great job. And I was like, 30 is like a piece of cake because I got all these check boxes checked. And then six months later, I had a complete breakdown. And I was like, I want none of this. I don't want the home. I don't want the kid. I don't want the husband. Like I pursued this life that like somebody else's life, you know, it was the storyline I pursued and it wasn't mine. And I think it's really important to like take the time and identify like 
your own storyline. And like, who cares that, you know, somebody said you should own something like who cares that like, if it works for you and it works for your budget and it works for your life. And that's what you're working for. You need to work for your own storyline, not somebody else's. Absolutely. I love hearing it. I mean, honestly, Shannon, like if I had followed the conventional storylines and if I had done the things that were put right in front of me, I mean, the men in my twenties and thirties who would have married me, I was like, yeah, I don't think so. And you know, if I had just followed the path and not followed my gut and my heart, I'd be married with a couple kids in the suburbs right now. And I can tell you, I wouldn't be happy. And it's not, I mean, I do want to be married and I like, I don't want to always live in a studio in West Village as a single woman, but I have so far followed everything that's felt right to me, falling in love, moving, falling out of love, moving again, doing the scary things, bucking convention. And my vision is that one day I'll live in a a real home with a husband and stepkids and dogs. And, you know, it'll all be lovely. But it may not. It'll be when it's ready for your storyline. Exactly. I love um, it. I love it. And I think that's the important thing is like, live your storyline. And, you know, the biggest thing for me, though, is like my asterisk important thing to say is like, live your storyline, but make sure you live it financially responsibly. <laughs> Absolutely. And I am, by the way. So, I mean, I have a no, credit I know score you of are. 30. Like I've zero no, debt. I know I'm you so are. I've seen your numbers. You're a gym client. So no, I'm I know. I'm a gym client. I don't mess around with my money. I'm really good. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I have a storyline that works within your financial story. Yeah. In fact, if anything, I live like I could probably spend more on other things. But yeah, um, but no, you have other things. going. Or, you know, I tell clients is like, if your storyline is not working for your financial budget, then change it, like make more money, you know, which there's so, always out there. So. so, but I would say like in summary, you know, one thing, cause I thought a lot about this and like, what's the message? I, what I can tell you is for the rest of my life, I will never be, I will never shop for sport again. I will never just be a collector filling rooms with stuff for the sake of like buying stuff. I, I will be a quality over quantity person. I probably won't live in as big of a home as I may have thought I would have lived in at some point, but I would also, you know, I would challenge anyone who's listening to this to look, not only look around your home, but look around your life. Is your trunk full of stuff? Do you have a storage unit? And even, I I don't expect anyone or everyone to pick up and move into a, you know, 400 square foot box in the West Village and start over. But what I would say is I bet anyone listening to this could lighten up something, mm-hmm. whether that's even just a hall closet. And I promise you, you will feel literally lighter. And I, I think there's opportunity for everyone to really take a look at what they've already filled their life with, create some space so you can breathe. Mm-hmm. And then look at how you're spending your time, especially and the role that stuff plays in your life. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And now it's time for your random three questions. Okay. Let's right, do it. You ready, Amy? Number one. I'm ready. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> All right. Question number one. You need to relax. Is it a massage or is it a hot tub? Oh, a massage. Okay. Hot tub. Like I'm, I've got a solid 20 minutes in me in a hot tub and then I like, I can't breathe. My skin <laughs> feels weird. Like I, hot tubs are really sexy on the bachelor and I yeah. can do a hot tub, but like 20 minutes and then I'm like, Oh, get me out of here. I can't breathe. Massages. Like I'll take a 12 hour massage, please. Thank you. <laughs> you could say yeah. it's a time thing. I love it. <laughs> uh, give it to me. All right. Question number two, you work for a company that supports travel and promotes travel. Where is somewhere that you have been to that you feel like should be a bucket list item for other people? I would say, um, New Zealand is probably when I think about like my very favorite places I've ever been in the whole world. Mm-hmm. Um, the top three, well, four are Australia, New Zealand, Cape town, South Africa, and Thailand and Cambodia. Those are kind of like my, always like my top like four, mm-hmm. but of those, the reason I say New Zealand is there is just literally nothing like it on the planet. Yeah, It's just so I don't even know how to describe it. Like the air is different. It's just, it's, it's like, it doesn't even belong on earth. It belongs on Narnia or something. (laughs) And I just love it so much. Is it worth the ridiculously long plane flight to get there? 
Yeah. But again, if you think of the places I just listed, I don't, I apparently love to like fly like around the world twice to get somewhere. Right. I'm really good at super. <laughs> yeah. I'm really good at super, super long flights, mostly because I just heavily medicate myself and sleep from, you know, take off to touchdown. And so I could just like, it's like the time just never happened. Mm-hmm. So long flights don't bug me. So I'll go anywhere. Okay. I love it. All right. Your last question. If you were to win a million dollars, what would you do with it? Do I get all the million or do I have to pay taxes? You get all the million. Okay. I get a whole million. <laughs> I, would, I, I would definitely give a lot of it to my mom and my brother and my stepmom to make sure that they always have a roof over their head. And then with what's left of it, I would probably take like a couple years off and just travel the world. That It sounds so cliche and I sound like an Instagram person right now, but <laughs> I really would. I think just that would be my happy place would just be taking a couple years off and just really exploring our world. I love it. Amy, thank you so much for coming on my show, sharing your story and the lessons you've learned and the choices you've made. If my listeners want to read more about you, where can they find you? So they can find, I have a personal blog. I started it about a year ago and it's been so much fun. It's www.sipsofsunshine.com. You'll also notice when you go there that I'm a skincare fanatic. So it's a lot of skincare products, but um, more than the skincare products, a lot of uh, blog posts about some life advice and things I wish I had known when I was in my 20s and 30s. Yeah. A lot of big sister advice. I love reading your blog. I think it's really great. Yay. So yay. I love it too. All right, Amy. Thank you so much. And until next time, cheers. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Amy today. I think my biggest takeaway is to let Amy's story and the new year remind all of us that we're capable of making big changes in our lives at any stage of our life. Don't let stories that you tell yourself prevent you from making a big change that could lead you into an amazing next chapter of your life. If you want to find the show notes for this episode, as well as links to where you can find and follow Amy, you can find them on my blog, Financially Blonde, and that's financially-blonde.com. And if you have any topics you'd like for me to cover on this podcast, I encourage you to email me to Shannon at finblonde.com and that's Shannon at F-I-N-B-L-O-N-D-E.com or tweet to me at blonde underscore finance or join the private Martinis in Your Money Facebook group and let me know what you want to hear. And if you want to make a big change this year in your finances and want someone to help you along the way, I hope you'll reach out to my team at the Financial Gym. We have clients hitting financial goals every single day that they never could have hit on their own. You can schedule a free call to find out more. And remember that no matter where you are in your financial journey, my financial trainers can help get you where you want to go. So head over to or send friends to financialgym.com forward slash friends to sign up today. And until next time, take care. martinis and your money listeners. I love a drink and a chat with a good friend as much as the next person. And if you joined in on the fun, I hope that you're at least 21 or older. You drink responsibly. And if you did drink, please don't drink and drive. It makes for an all around more fun time. And until next time, cheers. You've just listened to the Sips of Sunshine podcast with your host, Amy Ogden. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play and be sure to visit SipsofSunshine.com for more inspiration. See you at the next episode.